Hello, hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to Money Awakenings. <clears throat> I am your host, confidant, friend, shaman, ally in the, let's say, game of the transformation from conditional love to unconditional love. My name is Larry Morrison. I am the financial shaman, the alchemist, and I am happy to be with you. On this podcast, we break down all the beliefs that block wealth, abundance, and unconditional love and love and all the goods, the goodies, fulfillment, joy, bliss, ease from coming to us. Why do we limit ourselves? Why do we push them away? Why do we block them? And how do we do it? So that if we understand and become aware that it's us that's doing this, that's keeping everything away from us, as we start to peel back the onion and let go of all that, all those blockages, then we get in back into a natural rhythm, a natural alignment with Source, which is another name for unconditional love, which is another name for God, which is another name for all that is which are just names pointing to the great unknown that loves you so, so much, so, so much. And it's all a lie that Source's love is conditional. Think about this. Unconditional love is the highest frequency at a thousand on the consciousness scale. The lowest frequency at one on the consciousness scale, it goes from one to a thousand, is conditional love. People think shame is the lowest thing on the consciousness level, right around 200 uh, scale. This comes from David Hawkins' work. He first pioneered this and discovered it, or uncovered it, whatever you want to say. And uh, people think shame is the lowest. Even, even Hawkins had it at the lowest was shame. But it's not. Conditional love is at one. Because conditional love is the foundation for shame. Shame is conditionally loving yourself and judging yourself as bad. So conditional love is the foundation for which all negative emotion is born. And most humans on the earth find themselves roughly about uh, 540 these days. Right? So you're caught somewhere in this conditional love scale, basically. And so the more we unconditionally love ourselves, the more we remember the truth. And that's why it's so fascinating to me that people could believe that God, Source, all that is, the creator of everything, which is you, which is all, which is everything you'll experience, will be found conditionally loving at the lowest frequency? Judging everyone, putting a, a, a check marks next to their life, right? All these conditions that need to be met for them to get into heaven. How ridiculous. You think God is found in the lowest frequency? That's preposterous. It would always be found in the highest frequency, the highest and best. It would always lead you home through the good feelings. 
of unconditional love. Everything is unconditional love. But when we forget, because we wipe our memory to come here and play this game, we get lost in the ego's nonsense of trying to... Ego is conditional love. So you have source, or your heart, or the soul, or the God part of you, that's vibrating at unconditional love at all times, is at the highest end, and then your ego is at the lowest end. And you could see the tug of war in humanity, because like I said, it's slightly more than half and half. Right? Most people don't understand that love is the best thing we do, even though we fuck it up all the time. So we're slightly winning, but still having a really tough go of it. Right? Anywho. So, the more you vibrate into unconditional love, the more you know the truth of who you are, and the more abundance will flow. And love, obviously, and everything else that you want. So, um, I was in the restaurant. You know, I love how Source does this. I'm not eating as much as I, because uh, after my ego died, I don't eat nearly as much. I don't sleep nearly as much. I slept two hours last night, and I have tons of energy. And I don't eat as much. I eat maybe like one main meal a day, and then I snack a little bit here and there. Tons of water, though. And uh, weight is just falling off on me. And um, But I got this hankering, right? I got the urge to eat. And it was like, ooh, what do I feel like eating? It was like Indian food. I love Indian food. And then I was like, okay, let me look up Indian places. And I was like, Hart, you have any suggestions? It's like, yep, this one. I'm like, the one that's farthest across town you want to go to? But I know better to then to question my heart these days. Like, all right, whatever. I mean, it's what? I got plenty of time. Go over there. Amazing food, but that wasn't the point. I was sitting literally next to a young woman and her friend. um, And they were, I didn't really pay attention until something drew my attention to their conversation. And it was this, and it's where I want to start today. The young lady was contemplating her next move. She had just finished, I think, undergrad and was looking at graduate programs. They were talking about all the different opportunities, all the different things. Of course, they were talking about money, student loans, and like, you know, what, how much you would make, how fun and happy you would be. All the things you would hope that they were talking about, right? When you're contemplating these moves. Obviously, I would have loved to hear them say, I'm going to do what my heart tells me to do, but we don't teach people that. What we teach people is what she said next. She said, my dad keeps telling me I have to have realistic expectations. And I was like, I almost laughed, but I didn't want to draw attention, so... I just smiled and wrote it down, knowing that that's exactly why Source wanted me to hear it and wanted me to be at that Indian restaurant. Not only that the food was really good, but um, what I want to talk to you about is realistic expectations. Let's break this down a little bit. Because if you have realistic expectations, you are blocking wealth from coming to you. Here's what I mean. Let's start with what is an expectation? An expectation is simply when your mind wanders into the imagination 
and lets itself project in your imagination the future, which is always a fantasy, and then it attaches to that fantasy. That's an expectation. You're attached to a fantasy that you want to see happen. One of the most dangerous concepts, one of the most dangerous things you can do. Because you'll always be measuring your life according to that expectation. And if the expectation comes, which is obviously rare, <clears throat> you're elated. And you feel magic and God loves you and all this shit. But most of the time, it never lines up with your imagination. And you're constantly trying to chase this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and never getting there. And then you wind up, you know, midway through your life or more going, what's going on? I can, how come I can never reach this thing? How come I can never get to this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? That's an expectation. That's a fantasy controlling you. That's you giving all of your power, which is always in the now, in the present moment, over to your imagination and your ego. Your ego literally runs in your imagination. Like, if you stay present, your ego has a real tough time. It still can fuck with you, but it's very handicapped. Okay? So we always want to be aware of when our mind pulls us out of the present moment and goes into the, our, either the future, which is a fantasy in your imagination, or the past, which is a fantasy of your memory. <clears throat> because it, always, it never happens the way you remember it. And it has no power, unless... There's something you need to work out in that past that you haven't learned yet, which the mirror will reflect back to you. So that's an expectation. Now, what is realistic? Realistic is setting the sights extremely low, low enough to where your ego, ego will say, yeah, that fits within the small story to keep you unworthy, to keep you unhappy. Let's do that. That's what realistic means. Because real is the present moment. That's what's real. Present moment awareness is what's real. Your heart is what's real. This moment in time. So to think that you know what reality is going to look like even tomorrow is a fantasy and you're getting lied to by your ego. But it's very simple to break out of this. But before we do that, let me, let me just give you a thought exercise here. Okay. Let's say, <clears throat> let's say you have a dream, a purpose, a, high, a heart's calling, and it's to be a butterfly farmer. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I, or you know what? Like a, you know, a park ranger or own a, or create a meditation retreat center. Let's just do that one. Let's say you have a heart's calling to do a meditation retreat center, right? And you really let yourself go and you fantasize about it and think about it. Maybe even take some steps. Maybe become a good meditator. Maybe become a guided meditation teacher. Like you're taking some steps. But then what happens? 
you're at war with your ego because if you follow your heart's calling, you don't need your ego. And your ego knows this. So it's gonna throw every trick in the book, which I catalog 60 different tricks it has. <clears throat> I catalog them in my book, which should be coming out in the next six months to maybe eight months, six months, something like that. So, <clears throat> you have to catch all the tricks. That's a whole other story. We talked about that on the ego death. Okay, so, <sighs> realistic. So if you follow your heart's calling, you're gonna run smack dab into your limiting beliefs that you need to let go of in order to keep going. If you become relentless and determined to follow your heart and listen to it over everything else, your ego is going to lose power and momentum because now you're not listening to it. So what it does, among many other things, is it shows you an imagined reality, a fantasy, of your heart's calling. You see, you see this meditation retreat center in your mind's eye and you get really good feelings about it. And then you start to let it imagine, oh, that's coming, that's within like three years because ego loves to use urgency and time against you. As if you know what's gonna come, as if it knows or when it's gonna happen. So, it does this to set you up for failure because it knows you don't have power over your imagination or your mind. And so what it does then is it lets you get to some of these milestones and then judge yourself for not being where your mind and your ego projected you to be. And then you feel the letdown. This is one of the strategies I call the letdown. Can you see why? So it starts to take the wind out of your sails. That you're like, man, I'm 40 years old. I've been at this meditation retreat thing forever. I'm no farther along than where I was 30, 30 or 35. And you start to get the wind out of your sails and then you start to come to, maybe it's not realistic. And now the ego has you. Because now what you're doing is you're lowering the bar. And instead of following your heart and your highest excitement, you're like, maybe I should give up. Maybe I should listen to the ego because it's trying to protect me from failure. And as I'm looking at this, I'm not any closer. I'm wasting my time as if that's even possible. It's never wasting your time to do anything that follows your heart, that your heart says to do. That's never a waste of time, ever. That's your ego judging it as such. And so, what do you do? You lower the bar for yourself. You start to fit into a small version, a small story, and create a cage for yourself. You lower the bar, you think less of yourself, you devalue yourself, and now you're stuck. Well, my heart was to do this meditation retreat, but it didn't work out, you know, after five years of trying, because you probably didn't know how to let go of limiting beliefs, 
that you were running into. You probably didn't know how to let go of traumas. You probably didn't know how to control this reality and become an alchemist like myself, right? Alchemy just simply means the ability to create your own reality using the mirror and nothing else, right? So, okay. So the mirror reflects back what you believe about it, is my point. So you give the mirror no choice but to reflect back what you believe about it because you understand how to undo all limiting beliefs and put positive ones in its place that you want. And then the mirror has to reflect it back once all the energy is cleared up underneath all that. So my point though is you get the wind taken out of your sails and now, well, I gave five years to this meditation retreat and it didn't work out to the time frame that I had imagined. And I didn't get the support from source that I had thought that would be there. So I guess it's not meant to be and it's time to go back to working at the fucking carpet store for my father-in-law. I got to have realistic expectations. I've got to set my aim lower because that's obviously the only value I have. That's what I'm worth. And that dream that heart's calling is going to have to stay a heart's calling. Or it's going to have to stay a dream. Because I've got family to feed. <clears throat> That's what a realistic expectation is. It is a way to box you in. It is a way to create a cage. For you. To not become the best version of yourself. But what's fascinating about this cage is it is literally in your mind. It's not real, but the universe is reflecting what you believe about it. So you believe this cage is real, that you can't reach your heart's calling, your highest excitement, right? And since you believe the cage is real, the mirror has to reflect it back to you because we're playing a game of pretend. We're pretending that Source's love is conditional, even though that literally doesn't make any sense. It's <laughs> Source's love is the lowest frequency? Yeah, okay. <laughs> How do we ever fall for that? Because <clears throat> we wiped our memory. And it's a game of waking up. So, if you ever even hear the words ex realistic, expectations, coming out of your mouth or coming into your mind. Stop what you're doing and say, what do I have to believe about myself or this situation or my heart's calling in order to believe, in order to feel that I can't do what I'm meant to do. What you're meant to do is at the end of your highest excitement. Not at the end, technically, like you living the highest excitement is what you're meant to do. It's not a destination to get to, but my point is you're meant to become all that you were meant to become. You had things you set out to do before you got here. 
to play this game. And realistic expectations will rob you of that because the ego just tricked you into believing you don't have the value, the worth, or the wherewithal to see it through. And it tricked you by creating expectations in your mind, milestones that you should have reached. Can't believe it, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm 60, whatever. I've been at this for years and I still haven't. Who says you know the timeline? And if you don't know how to undo limiting beliefs, then there's a reason why you're staying stagnant, stuck, and not evolving. Okay. Let me see in my notes if I had anything else I want to talk about with realistic expertise. <laughs> Before we move on to the next subject, which is the main topic. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, the realistic expectation doesn't threaten the ego. That's why it's realistic. And so when a parent says this to a child, which is obviously the most, one of the most debilitating things you could think, is to tell a child, set your aim low, set the bar low. Who in the... People say that because they did that. They fell for that trick. That's why... How, why else would you tell a child that? They set... They fell for this nonsense. They didn't reach their highest excitement. And so that letdown feeling they're trying to protect their children from is actually causing it to be worse. But you, everybody's unconscious of this. They don't even know what they're doing anymore, if they ever did. How do you not tell a child to follow their heart? Because you're scared of your ability not to follow your heart. That's why. Okay. Okay. Now. Okay. Where was I? Ah, yes. The main topic. The main topic for this podcast is an extension of the last one. On the last uh, podcast, we talked about balancing energy. And how it's possible to be manipulated. Here, let me just kind of do a synopsis of the last call. So anytime you exchange your gift, your product, your service, right? Or your, your, uh, your hours, your life energy, you, the balance must be kept. So you need to exchange it for money, typically, or exchange it for something so that the balance is kept. Here's what I mean. If I give an hour of my time, the balance of that at this moment is a thousand an hour. That's what I charge now, which is always going up. But... My point is, if you're doing something, never do it for free, because that creates an imbalance. Now, if you give your service or product away for free, you've devalued it. You've devalued yourself, you've devalued it. I go into the last podcast, I go into the beliefs why someone would do that. And of course, the caveats. The main thing you need to know 
is that when you're in conditional love, which literally everybody on the planet is in except for a few ascended masters, <clears throat> the balance must be maintained in an exchange of energy. The same way you go to Starbucks or a coffee shop, doesn't have to be Starbucks, and you exchange, you know, five to ten dollars or whatever coffee costs these days for a cup of coffee. That's an exchange of energy. Everybody has to exchange energy for the services and products. And you create an imbalance if you don't charge money and definitely don't charge what you're worth. All right. So. Then I went into how manipulators try to distort. Here, let me just pick up that thread right there. <clears throat> so manipulators, there's only one way, two ways, technically. It's the, the flip side of the same thing. It's two ways, really. But it's, it's like the main one and then the shadow of it. Kind of the yin and yang. There's only two ways to manipulate. One is... And it's all about this balance of exchanging energy. Everybody intrinsically knows that an exchange of energy must be created anytime we do anything for anyone, unless it's family or friends. And I go off on that. And the last one. So besides the caveats that I mentioned, an exchange always has to be created. There's nothing wrong with it. Eventually, yes, when your ego dies and you're out of and you're in full unconditional love, then you can give without the the need for the exchange. And we do this when we give generously and give anonymously. It's unconditional. We don't want anything in return. We don't even think about it in return. Which is why I do have a kind of a problem with Christmas. It's like, oh, I gave you a Christmas present, so you didn't give me one. Now I feel let down. I thought this was gift giving, not an exchange, right? But I understand it because most people think of the exchange that's subconsciously driven. Like it's so ingrained in us. It's so ingrained in us to be conditionally loving and that's what creates an exchange of energy. And it's not a bad thing. There's nothing inherently wrong with that unless the exchange is out of balance. So what a manipulator does or a narcissist, if you will. It doesn't have to necessarily be a narcissist. It could be someone who's normal, who's triggered. And when you're triggered, you go into narcissism. Everyone does. Because it's all about you when you're triggered. I got upset, right? I got triggered. You wronged me. And now you need to fix it. That's a whole other thing. But when you're triggered, you're all about you. That's all you really need to know. A manipulator, what they do is they prey on this subconscious exchange of energy. So, here's what I mean. Let's say they give something to you. They say it's a gift, that it's unconditional. They don't want anything in return. And then, maybe it's a day, a month, a week later, whatever, they want something from you. And you come, to the ex you come to it going, okay, here's what we're, we should exchange. If you want this, I want this. And they bring back the old gift. No, I did this for you. 
Now, what they're trying to do is implant in your subconscious, you owe them, and this exchange is out of balance in their favor and against you. Which is why you have to stop right there and go, okay, I thought that was a gift. I thought that was unconditional. That's why I didn't bring it to this. If that wasn't unconditional, and that was party to an exchange, part of an exchange that you wanted something in return for, you have to let me know so that I can agree or disagree to exchange my life energy, my service, or whatever I want in exchange for that thing that you gave to me. If they don't do that, they're manipulating you. Like, if you say that to them and say, I didn't know that was an exchange, what do you want in return for that? So that we balance the scale, balance the energy, and then we can move on to the next thing. Right? So, <laughs> a manipulator is always going to try to make you feel that the energy exchange is balanced and you're in the hole, you're not good enough, you're beneath them and they're above you, wanting something from you, but they're guilting you into doing for them by pretending you're in the hole. That's manipulation. And let me show you how to stop it. One, just like I said, you say, oh, I didn't know we were in an exchange. You have to tell me so that I may agree or disagree with that exchange. So what do you want for that thing you gave me? And I can agree or disagree or give it back. And if it's a favor, I can say, I owe you one and it's up to me when I want to return it. Because you never told me. So that means you lose the ability to cash it in whenever you want. Okay? If they don't do that and they say, oh, no, no, it was a gift, then it's like, okay, then we never need to bring it up again because now that's balanced and it's unconditional and squashed. Oh, no, no, but I need, I need you to do this because I did that for you. Okay, now that's manipulation. So how you stop it in its tracks, besides what I just said, is you say, thank you for letting me know how you feel. I disagree. Thank you for letting me know how you feel. I disagree. We don't have to agree on everything. You don't have to agree with me on what I'm saying right now. I don't have to agree with you on anything or any politician or anybody else. The only thing I'm concerned with is what my heart says. That is all. <clears throat> this is how a manipulator hooks you. Is they know that everyone craves validation and the need to be seen and heard. Okay? And if they know that, they know that you have to agree with them and they have to agree with you for them to feel for you to feel seen. But if you are unconditioned like I am and know that unconditional love of source is in my heart and I don't need anybody else's conditional love because it's the lowest frequency, I can disagree with your perception of the imbalance of energy. I don't see an imbalance. I disagree. And all their power is lost. Because you don't fall for the fact that we need to agree on everything. Everybody in this world 
every war, every fight, every argument is, is basically the egos need to be right. But that's it. It needs to be right. So if you shut it down by going, I disagree, you get to have your perception, I get to have mine. I see the glasses half full, you see the glasses half empty. Neither is right or wrong, difference of perception, I disagree with you. Boom. Game over. Now, if you want to move on to the next exchange, even though if you're catching someone manipulating you, that should be a red flag. So you might not want to move on to another exchange with them. Okay? So, if you catch someone, anyway, that's a whole other subject. You have to have your own boundaries for that. Those, that's, that's my boundary. I have many boundaries. I think I have seven solid boundaries that no one is allowed to cross. The only person that gets a pass is my soulmate. <clears throat> and even still, I still enforce the boundary and say, nope, that's not okay. We need to separate for a while. Anybody else crosses my boundaries, you'll never hear from me again. We will never talk again. <clears throat> okay. Because the boundaries are common human decency. I don't need to tell you what my boundaries are. They're all common human decency. We don't manipulate each other. We don't yell and scream at each other. We don't threaten each other. Right? And a, and a, and a few more. I'll maybe mention another time. But these are just common human decency. If you're connected to your heart and living from your heart, you'll never cross any boundaries. How could you? Your heart doesn't want to hurt anybody, wasn't want to manipulate anybody, doesn't want to yell and scream at anybody. That's all ego. That's all conditional love. That's all I need to be seen. I need you to agree with me. I need to be validated. Here's another boundary no one is allowed to cross with me. You are not allowed to blame me for your emotions. When someone says, you feel unsafe to me, I stop them right there and say, you are dangerously close to a boundary. If you're saying you need help processing your fear, I will be there to hold space for you. If you're saying your fear is my fault, oh, no, 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 no. Boundary crossed. Your emotions are yours to deal with. My emotions are mine to deal with. Emotions, like fear, are pointing us to false beliefs in you, in the other person. When someone says, I feel unseen, that means there's a part of you that you need to go inside and see. When someone says, I feel frustrated, that means there's a part of you that you need to go talk to. Because frustration always stems from that imagined expectation that you tied yourself to not lining up to reality. That's always what frustration means. It's your journey to awaken, not mine. I've done my work. I continue to do my work, and I don't put my emotions on anybody else. If I'm triggered, I stop what I'm doing, and I go inside, and I get, take space from everyone else. Because it's no one else's fault. It's no one else's problem. Nothing is wrong with anybody else. The mirror is reflecting back to me a part I need to see in myself.
No one is allowed to blame me for their emotions. Unless you want to blame me for the positive ones. I'll take that. <laughs> okay. This is how you become God. You take full responsibility for everything that's happening in your life. And you do never play the victim ever again. That is how you become God. You are the creator of this reality. And you own it. I created everything. You don't shame yourself for what's been created, for being triggered. Because that doesn't help anything. That doesn't correct behavior to shame you or anybody else. You just say, it's my responsibility to go inside and clean this up. No one else's. I will not hand over my evolution to anyone else. It is mine to deal with. My awakening is for me. My lessons are for me. Okay. Now, what I want to talk about is this idea, again, going back to manipulation, the reason, sorry, it's super windy on this mountain. Trying to hold the mic close. Maybe I'll pause. Let me pause. Sorry, gang. You won't notice. I'll be back in a second. Okay, wind is finally gone. We're back. You didn't see that intermission, but just imagine that it was amazing. Okay. (laughs) All right, so now, We need to talk about what happens when you go to balance the energy. When you go to balance the energy, and what I mean by this is you've added tons and tons of value to your business, to your service, to your product, to your gift, and now it's time to go get paid. There is a tendency for people who are in scarcity to call you a sellout. You may even hear that in your own head. Larry, I I feel like I'm a sellout because I'm not giving this away. It's my gift and I need to give it to the world. Wrong. You need to sell it to the world. Because if you give it for nothing, you are creating an imbalance. And as always, do not take anything I say as a hard and fast rule. Everything must be filtered through your own heart. I do give my service away every once in a while when my heart tells me to, or I will do a trade or a barter, my service for someone else's service, when my heart tells me to. Other than that, everyone pays because that is the value that I bring to the table. And I demand of the universe and abundance itself to match my value that I set, that my heart sets really, because that's who I go to get my pricing from. Heart, what do you think my pricing should be next round? What do you think this, right? Everything runs through that filter. But if somebody says you're a sellout, or if you hear that in your own mind, what that actually means, what sellout actually means is, I don't want to expand and evolve. I want to stay small. I want to stay in scarcity. I want to stay in unworthiness, in conditional love, 
and what? I want to worry again more about what people think of me. I don't want to be called to sell out. So I, want to, I don't want to think about what people are going to think of me. So I'd rather give it away for free or almost nothing. If someone says to you, I don't want to sell out or calls you a sellout for balancing the energy of abundance, balancing, balancing the energy of exchange of energy, energy exchange of energy. <laughs> if someone calls you a sell, they're broke. That's why they don't want you to freaking charge. Cause they're broke. Which means temporarily out of money, no, no judgment. But this is how the ego keeps you small. You worry more about what other people think of you than you do about the balance of energy and getting paid for your skill. Look at it like this. I would rather be known as a sellout and get paid for my value from clients who also see my value and agree that I'm worth that much so that I am happy to see them. Not that I wouldn't be happy to see them anyway because I know I'm unconditionally taken care of so it's not a big deal. Right? When you, when you vibrate into abundance, there's always enough. But there's a tendency to think There's a tendency to think that abundance means you don't have to charge or you don't have to get the exchange or that the universe will come and compensate you some other way. No, it's a direct exchange for your service or product. Only someone in complete scarcity, only someone who doesn't see their value would think not to charge would think I'm a sellout for wanting to feed myself and my family and have the, the abundance in my life to keep going. You're making the game harder than it needs to be. Here's the other reason someone would say that. And this is what happened to me, which is why I'm so passionate. You can hear the passion in my voice. I hear it in my voice. There's another belief that would cause you problems in, in charging money for your gift. That one is our old friend, our old nemesis. You have to work hard for money. If you believe you have to work hard for money, what happens when your gift comes naturally to you and it's easy to you? Now you feel you don't deserve money for it because it's easy. This is what happened to me. Let me tell you a little story. I've been homeless twice in my life. The first time, by choice. Me and a friend, we had the same fear of being homeless. So we put our stuff in storage and faced our fear. That was the first time. The second time was not by choice. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. And here... This belief is what caused it, among others. Don't get me wrong, I, you know, I felt like I didn't deserve money, wasn't worthy and all that. But the main, one of the main root causes of the plot problem was this exact belief. I have to work hard for money. And here's what happened. 
knowing that we have to balance the energy, knowing that I want to get paid for my gift, I worked my ass off and became very good at what I did. This was back in my student loan business. When I first got started in that business, I traveled to the end of the earth. I learned more than the more than 99.9% of Americans walking around with student loans. I knew more than most. And I was an expert in the system. I still kind of am. So, but I'm slowly letting that go. Happily giving up my throne. But I'd become so good at it that it was easy to me. I could go in, get somebody set up, student loan forgiveness, lowest payment, get the documents done, talk to the Department of Education, all in like 20 minutes. Radically change someone's life in 20 minutes. Because it wasn't hard work, I didn't value it. Because I had that belief, you have to work hard for money. And so I was charging a ridiculously low price, like a comically low price. I was charging $300 for something that nowadays is $1,200 minimum. Minimum. Usually somewhere in the realm of $2,000 is now our average price, depending on what their situation is and how much work it is and all that. But uh, yeah, that's the other reason why you might, the other trap you might fall into. I don't want to charge Larry because my gift comes easy to me. So? It's supposed to come easy to you. Your gift isn't supposed to be hard. Because then it would limit you and limit from that gift being expressed to the world. Your gifts and talents will come naturally as breathing. Yes, you will still have challenges. You will still have to evolve. And so will your gift. But you will not only be super excited when you find it, or when you, know, you start to use it for your highest excitement, but it will come easy and you'll be excited because why? Because you're meant to master it. You're not starting from scratch. You know, uh, me, I have 10 years of finance experience. 20 something, well, let's see, I was 20. How old was I? 26. 15 years of like intense spiritual practice, right? With the last two years being extremely intense. Like I'm talking 30 hours a week. This, was, this is my main job of going deep on the, all these beliefs and stuff. But like, my point is like, what I do comes naturally. Doesn't mean I don't have to grow and evolve, but I'm excited to do it because you're supposed to master it. You're not supposed to start like at a kindergarten level and work your way up to, no, it'll come, whatever your gift is will come naturally to you. You'll be excited about it, which because you're supposed to get to mastery easy and fast. Easy might not be the, the best word because you'll have challenges, but those challenges will exhilarate you. They'll be like, oh, ooh, like me, like, oh my God, I just found a new limiting money belief, which at this point, I've, 
pretty much felt. <laughs> Found and documented almost all of them. But there's still so many, right, about love and about worth, self-worth especially, and all these weird stories we tell ourselves. Might not be necessarily directly about money. Could be about business and entrepreneurship, just like we're talking about, right? So my point, though, is I get excited when I find a new limiting belief. Like, ooh, just like when I was at the restaurant. Realistic expectations, like, what? Oh, yeah, we're going to explore this. You see what I'm saying? You're supposed to be good at it. You're supposed to come naturally to you. It's not supposed to be hard. Because if it was, you might not give that gift to the world if it was too hard. And Source wants that gift expressed. You're meant to give it. So it's not going to make it super hard unless what? You have a belief that says I have to work hard for money. You need to put that on paper. Do the work. Unravel that. Is that true? You have to work hard for money. What does hard work look like? Why does it have to be hard? What happens if it's not hard? It sounds like a, like a running, that's what she said joke. But my point is, my point is, like, this is a dangerous belief system when it comes to being an entrepreneur. Because check this out. If it comes easy like it did for me on my other business, and it does now, I'm able to help more people, aren't I? Like if it took me on my other business, let's say it took me two hours a file for student loans instead of 20 minutes, and I charged, even if I charged a decent amount not to starve and become homeless, because now it's super hard work, right? Um, if I'd have done, like, if it, it had been two hours, how many clients could I handle? Not that many. If it's 20 minutes, I can handle tons. And I can teach and train other people to do a lot of the work, right? So we can, ha- we can help more and more people if it's easier. If it comes naturally to us, we can get farther. Not that it's about, you know, the destination or anything. But don't you want to help more people than less? Not that I'm, you know, I understand the the width and depth of helping someone. Like I have all the the gamut, right? I talk to hundreds of thousands of people on podcasts and all that, video and all that. And then you go deep one-on-one with somebody. I get all that. But I'm just saying, if it was super difficult for you, you might not do it. So you're not a sellout for, cha- for charging money and balancing the energy. Only someone in scarcity would say that. Only someone who wanted to stay small. Think about, think about the mentality of I don't want to be a sellout. What, let's continue that train of thought. I don't want to be a sellout so... I'm not going to charge money for my energy and time? How far are you going to get like that? Now what? Now you have to have a side business or a a day job to supplement your income because you're not charging for your gift? How much time can you give to the gift at that point? I don't want to be a sellout 
wouldn't it be more of a sellout to go get a day job? And do something you hate for the most of the day so that you can come do your free thing at night that you love, but secretly inside your heart is breaking because you have another belief, right? I can't make money doing what I love. And that's, that's true scarcity right there. If you believe you can't make money doing what you love, then you also believe that this is a hostile universe who's trying to kill you and doesn't support you. You see the danger in not charging money for your gift? Do you see the danger in listening to people who say don't be a sellout? Now, what if you're hearing that voice in your head? Because when somebody says it to you, don't be a sellout, I'd be like, what, what the hell are you talking about? Who, who am I selling out to? I'm, I'm giving my gift for money. Just like any other human being does, like every single human being does. They give their time, energy, and focus for money. Very rarely do people not. So how am I a sellout? Right? I mean, somebody brings me that. I totally shred them. I shred that ego to, to bits. Like, oh, you want me to stay small? You want me to get a second? You want me to get a day job so I can do this for free? Right? What if it's coming from inside your own head? Then this is what you say. Thank you, ego, for bringing this to my attention. I disagree. Then you put it on paper. I'm a sellout for charging for my gift or product. Is that true? Is that true? Can I absolutely know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's true? Let's turn it around. I'm not a sellout. It's the most obvious. I'm not a sellout for charging for my gift. Obviously, the first one thing that comes to mind is because abundance says you can have it all. You can have the money and have the fun with your gift, giving and serving humanity. Abundance says here, here's all that you need. When you believe you're worthy of it. I'm not a sellout for charging for my gift because I know my value and I know people will not value this gift if I don't charge for it. Let's see if we can find a third one. I'm not a sellout for charging for my gift only if we were worried about what people thought of us and weren't following our heart. And, and then we hand over our power to other people's viewpoint of us that are coming from a lens of scarcity. Because people who are following their heart and people who are in abundance happily pay for someone's gift. I have a client who is an amazing, amazing artist. And I pay top dollar to her. I tell her don't give me a discount. I want her gift to succeed. I want her to succeed. I'm happy to pay for her gift. Shout out to Noriko DeWitt. If you guys need any artwork for your gifts. She's amazing. Now, 
My point is, don't you, don't you want, what if we looked at it like this? Remember my definition of investing? Investing is simply means what you want to see flourish. I love investing in other people's gifts. I love investing in their highest excitement. Not only because I remember what it was to like to start out multiple businesses, multiple times, but because like if someone's fully in their highest excitement and their heart's calling, I want to see them master that thing. And I will happily pay, I will pay extra for that because I'm not only getting this amazing service or product, but I'm balancing the energy. Whew, this is hitting my heart really hard. I'm balancing the energy that was given to me. Because there were people that believed in me when I didn't. And to do that for another is not selling out. It is bringing them home to abundance. It is bringing them home to the truth of who they are, which is that they are always, always unconditionally loved, divinely guided, divinely held and protected. And that source wants us to be blissfully happy, expressing ourselves to the highest Excitement and possibility we can. If someone says to you, even if it's the voice in your head, you're a sellout. What they're trying to do is manipulate you into devaluing yourself, even if it's your ego devaluing yourself so that you find yourself unworthy and in a hole and the scale and they're making you believe that the scale of energy the balance of energy is imbalanced just like a manipulator it's okay if you see it then you can say i disagree but it's not their fault. We unconditionally love them, but we put up the boundary and say, no, thank you. I disagree. I believe source believes in me. I believe these gifts and this excitement came to me for a reason. And I believe I deserve everything that I want. And my heart says to charge this much. My heart says to charge this. And what do we do, ladies and gentlemen? We always, 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 always follow our heart. Always. It's unconditional. I will unconditionally follow my heart. I will never stop. I will never stop. Except I will stop this podcast right now. (laughs) Jokes, tears and jokes, all love. So, 
I hope something I've said here today helps you. Oh. You know, one day, I hope you're like me and you see everything as happening for you, even the things that frustrate you, especially the things that make you afraid or triggered, all coming to the surface to be loved and let go of so you can keep going, so you can keep evolving. Because everything is unconditional love and sources dying for you to remember. We are <sighs> different clouds in the same sky. Mm. Different leaves in the same tree, different mountains in the same range. It's only an illusion of separation. You are so loved, so held so guided and protected there's always enough everything is perfect even if there's a part of you that believes that it's not and even that is perfect too everything is conspiring to help you everything in the unseen is giving you space to create and supporting you and cheering you on. There's no wrong way to do life. You can't mess it up. Go toward your gift. Go toward your calling with the knowledge that you will always have enough and that it's okay to listen to your heart on what to charge for it. I love you guys. Be well. Good journey, my friends.